Broadcasting live from the Treasure Island Sports Club, it's In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, presented by Tequila Embajador. I want to thank you very much for making my day in the sun so memorable. Well, again, I just think we're all in here building relationships with each other, players to players, coaches to coaches, players to coaches, and so on. So um, we're, they're, they're together a lot in the cafeteria. They're together a lot in the locker room. We're coming upstairs. They're talking to coaches. We're in meeting rooms. So I think we're trying to build relationships throughout the building um, so we can all see if we can accomplish one goal one week at a time. So today we got through a tough Wednesday's practice. We'll look at it, and we'll uh, start tomorrow on Thursday. One game, one week at a time. That was Raiders head coach Rich Basaccio talking this week uh, over at the practice facility in Henderson, talking about exactly what you need to be talking about uh, in terms of one day, one rep, one play, one week, one game at a time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I know it sounds uh, like a cliche. It's boring. Um, it's not sexy, it doesn't grab the headlines, but it's the truth of the matter. And it got the Raiders through a wild and crazy week last week. Uh, and I think it's going to get them through uh, their next challenge. Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles here in Las Vegas at the Legion Stadium. Welcome to In the Huddle, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I'm Vinny Bonsignor. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday, I'm in my usual spot at the Treasure Island Hotel at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Uh, it's already starting to heat up. We've got batting practice for the Houston Astros. They're going to be taking on the Boston Red Sox uh, tonight. And then obviously the Dodgers are taking on the Atlanta Braves, trying to, uh, sa- uh, trying to save uh, their life one more night uh, to force a seventh game. We'll see. We've got college football. Uh, we've got horse racing. We've got sportsbook action. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's great food. There's great drinks. Uh, all of that. You know how uh, they roll here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. So if you're close by, come on by. i got to say, I've already seen some Philadelphia Eagle fans uh, in town uh, kind of making their way about uh, the TI right now. In fact, one um, came up to me. Uh, we're here, uh, like I said, at the Treasure Island, and so we're, we're, we've got, you know, the Raider Nation radio uh, gear up and everything like that, and so he kind of stumbled over, right? Kind of stumbled over, uh, asking if I knew where the restroom was, and so it is, you know, 4 o'clock, Las Vegas time, <laughs> uh, which that doesn't mean anything in Las Vegas, to be honest with you, when you're uh, at a casino or at one of the uh, local um, habitats. And so he was already raring to go. Uh, I gave him the directions, and, and I'm wondering if we're going to see him at the game because it's already early uh, for Friday to get started, and he is uh, – he's. I'll tell you what. Uh, I'll be surprised if he makes it to the game, but uh, I hope he stays safe. Let's just put it that way. But, yes, there's a lot of Philadelphia Eagle fans in town. I've already seen them here at the Treasure Island. Uh, driving down the Strip, you see a lot of green and white, so – We've been talking about this, and I, I know Raider fans don't want to hear it necessarily, but it's just the way it is, uh, especially early in the Raiders' stay here in Las Vegas. This is the first year, remember, where fans are allowed to be at Allegiant Stadium, and there's a lot of opposing fans that are going to take advantage of coming out to Las Vegas to see their favorite team play, whether they live here and are transplants uh, or uh, are, are traveling from wherever uh, they, they might be. 
to come out to Vegas and, and check out Allegiant Stadium and check out what the vibe is here for an NFL franchise in Las Vegas and, and seeing their, their favorite team play. It's just a part of the story. But as we talked about yesterday and have been harping on, it's only an issue if you make it an issue. And by that, I mean... I don't anticipate, short of you know, the Raiders down the road, some year far, far down the road, um, where they're just a bad football team, and that's going to happen. Uh, teams have bad years. Uh, and it gets to an end of the season, and, and fans just don't really want to go uh, you know, get their heart broken again, and they're going to give up their tickets, and maybe uh, another team's fan base will literally take over the stadium in numbers. Uh, that may happen, uh, but I don't anticipate it to happen. As long as the Raiders are competitive, I think it's always going to be predominantly um, Raider fans. Uh, that was the case when the Chicago Bears were in town. Yeah, there were a lot of Chicago Bear fans, but there were more Raider fans. And the reason it became an issue was because the Raiders didn't take care of business. They played an awful football game for a lot of reasons. Um, they, they just did. And so that gave a voice to the Chicago Bears fans because their team was playing reasonably well and took a lead and held on to that lead. Uh, and so they had something to cheer about where the Raider fans had to sit there and be quiet because there really wasn't anything to cheer about. So in order to make sure that it doesn't become an issue in terms of giving the other team's fans a chance to own your stadium, if not in numbers, but certainly in sound and energy and passion and enthusiasm, then it's on the Raiders to shut them up. That's the way it is for the Rams when uh, you know they play over at SoFi Stadium and fans from other teams uh, come into that stadium. And before that, at the Coliseum, you just have to shut them up, and that's on you. Uh, so you can't blame anybody. Everyone's going to make their own decisions on what to do with their tickets on a week-to-week basis. Uh, there's an investment um, you know, uh, 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 element to this. Those tickets cost a lot of money, and sometimes fans, in order to pay for their next season's uh, uh, season tickets, you know, they they, they may uh, uh, part ways with a game or two um, on the schedule this year in order to get help pay for for next year's tickets. It's just the way uh, it kind of works, and uh, everybody understands that. But big game for the Raiders uh, on Sunday. You heard Rich Bisaccia talking about taking it one week at a time, one day at a time, one play at a time. And while that might not sound uh, all that exciting, it's really ha- the, the, the mindset that you have to have because how you practice, um, how you attack your reps, how you attack the mental side uh, in the classroom, uh, the weight room, conditioning, getting healthy, eating right, uh, taking care of your body, getting your sleep, it all adds up. So many people that I've talked to, uh, that, have, that have played in the NFL or are currently playing in the NFL. I'm talking like literally after games. You know, you talk to, to somebody in the locker room. We don't have locker room access right now, but in normal times, you talk to them in the locker room, and, and so many guys say, Vinny, we didn't win the game. We, this was the culmination. The win today was the culmination of something that started on Monday, hours after the last game. It is a process. What happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday today uh, and tomorrow culminates hopefully uh, in a positive way on Sunday and you increase your chances of positivity by doing the right thing in between uh, those days. The six days that lead up to it are the days that are going to mostly determine what it's going to look like uh, on Sunday. Now, you know, football games uh, take on a life of their their own. There's injuries. There's all kinds of 
different dynamics uh, and elements to a game. But if you're on point Monday through Saturday, you're generally going to be on point come Sunday. Uh, and then who's the better team uh, becomes you know, the, the biggest issue to decide who's going to win the game. But I really do like where the Raiders are uh, mentally in that regard. And I talk about that because, you know, these last couple of years covering the Raiders, and Raider fans understand this more than, uh, better than I do, the Raiders had some pretty fast starts, pretty positive starts uh, to seasons, but it kind of fell apart uh, in the second half. To me, there's a lot of reasons why. I think the talent just wasn't there, especially defensively. But I also think, um, you know, it was a very, very young team, and I think sometimes with inexperience, uh, comes a lack of understanding on certain things and on, on, on how to stay focused on a day, hour, hour to hour basis. Remember Derek Hart last year, last game of the season against the Denver Broncos, uh, talking about moving forward, moving ahead, and looking ahead to the 2021 season and about the whole point of finishing, finishing, finishing practices being available at practices, finishing seasons, finishing games, and doing everything that you have to do from every point of view in order for you to be able to finish as strong as possible. And that goes back to what everything we were just talking about. And I think this year, I just feel like the Raiders collectively have grown up in that regard. Yeah, there were players on last year's team and the year before that that understood it. But not everybody did. And, and as we mentioned, it was a young team, and that's sometimes understandable. Well, that young team, to me, is growing up before our very eyes. And we saw it uh, back in OTAs and in, and in training camp where they were mentally. And I think that's going to be the uh, anchor that they uh, rely on this year to, get, to make sure that they don't topple over sideways uh, like they have the last couple of years. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider 27 is on the line. How you doing, Raider 27? Man, you got to me really quick tonight. I almost wasn't ready. Oh, <laughs> you always got to be ready. You do with Vinny, man. You got to be on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I've been watching. I love the uh, YouTube channel Tape Don't Lie, and I've said this before. If if you really like to get into the X's and O's and nuts and bolts, you really need to be paying attention to those guys. They're great. Okay. I was really lucky. I played for I played in a very very small high school, very small. And our coach played for the Green Bay Packers, and he blew his knee up his rookie year, and never really got to play. He was a defensive end, and the last thing he wanted to happen at practice is for him to say, "Give me a helmet," because <laughs> that meant you were going to get hurt. But anyway, we learned a lot of stuff about football. And when I went to every game, I could see all that stuff. Now I haven't gone to a game for years, and I, it's hard. You have to get used to watching the game live again yep. to see that stuff. But um, the wrinkles that Olsen put in, and the, and the times where the guys on tape don't lie are sitting there going, Denver had no idea what we're doing. And you could tell by looking at Denver's defense, they've got linebackers both going different directions crossing over the hole in a touchdown play. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. And one of the things they were saying that, um, and I'm not piling I don't ever want to pile on Coach Green. I was glad to see him come. I was sad to see him leave. But, but 
um, you find out things sometimes. And, you know, the coaches all said, well, you know, these are things that we all had in the offense. And, and, you know, they didn't come out and say it, but you knew. Gruden knew about this stuff that they wanted to do and just wouldn't let them do it. And now all of a sudden they're doing stuff. And we always talk about players that are able to specific do specific things. Like Josh Jacobs was drafted because he's a zone back. He can pick exactly the right hole and make one foot cut and go. Well, Kendall Drake isn't that. He doesn't do that. He's not that kind of a back. He, he needs a hole to run through. So when they started running power and gap plays, pulling linemen and doing all this stuff, all of a sudden Kendall Drake knows where he's supposed to go. And he's a great running back. But he's not a zone running back. If you give him the ball and say find a place to go to, well, that's a, that's a God-given gift to be able to do that. That's not something at the NFL level that you can ever be taught to do. So, and there's a lot of stuff like that on defense. They're putting in new wrinkles on defense. They're putting in new wrinkles in the in everything. So, well, and you you bring wire like you know they're never going to catch up with their offense this year because there's so many wrinkles Olsen wants to do that he's going to have something new every week. So when we would have a drop off at the end of the year, I'm sitting there watching the game from home, going, "Well, that's the same play we've been running all year. Yeah, they know exactly what's going to happen." But that's the same thing we did on defense at the, at the first game. We're still doing the same thing in the tenth game. Yeah, they know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I appreciate the call, Raider 27. You make some really, really good points. Um, and, you know, I don't know what you, – you're, you're always going to have some bread and butter stuff that, you know, are going to be staples throughout the course of the season. Um, but the new wrinkle aspects – uh, are are real, uh, and that's that's on a week to week basis. And and you know, interestingly enough, that that 18 yard touchdown run that Kenyon Drake had, uh, I believe, was on a zone uh, blocking uh, scheme. And Brandon Parker did a heck of a job. Alex Leatherwood did a heck of a job. Uh, uh, Andre James did a heck of a job getting on their guys. Hunter Renfro makes a great block on Justin Simmons uh, to spring him, but he did a good job of reading it correctly and finding the seam. Um, right, I think it was right behind Andre James, right in front of Andre James, and he was off to the races uh, on a nice uh, touchdown run. But you're right, the constant, you, you have to keep, you have to, I, I, call, I, I always refer to it like this, you got to stay a step ahead of the posse. And everybody's trying to catch you. And every, by everybody, I mean your next opponent and the opponent after that, and so on and so forth. Everybody that's on your schedule is trying to catch up to you in terms of, knowing what you're doing, knowing what your tendencies are, and using your own habits and some of your own tendencies against you uh, to, to make them a strength of theirs and a weakness for you because they know what you're going to be doing in certain situations. So it behooves you to change it up, to always be you know unpredictable, to add new wrinkles on a w- weekly basis. And it was interesting talking to Rich Basaccia today, um, and I asked him about Kenyon Drake and did did – you know, he moved the needle enough where now using him the way they did use him and maybe even more moving forward in the pass game, in the run game, uh, and, he, he, and he responded uh, when his number got called, uh, he produced. Is that going to be – do you feel like you found what you needed to find in Kenyon Drake? In ter- and especially, do you feel like you, you found now a way uh, to successfully utilize him? 
and what Rich Bisacci has said, which didn't surprise me because this is it's it's important to always remember this as well. You're it's 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 a weekly the whole process is a whole process of understanding yourself. Uh, it's a whole process, a year-long process of trying to get better, of trying to figure out ways to get better. You know, there's a gap that is, exists in all of us. Uh, it's who we are and who we potentially can be. And you may not completely um, make up that ground or make up that gap, but as long as you're striving to, you're always going to be the best version of yourself, number one, and in a football sense, you're always going to be able to ch- stay ahead of that posse a little bit better. And, you know, when what Rich Bisacci is talking about is it's a constant process of trying to f- figure out and become the best version of, of the Raiders. And I don't think it's necessary to be there right now. There's 11 games left in the season, and then if the Raiders play their cards right and handle their business correctly, potentially the playoffs. You don't need to be the Raiders that you have to be or that you're destined to be or potentially can be right now. That is something that changes and moves forward on a week-to-week basis so that by the time you have to be the best version or else, you're, at, you're, you're close to being that version of, of the Raiders or of yourself. And so when you look at where they are right now, it's okay to still be to to still have that gap between who the Raiders are currently and what they potentially can be, um, because a if you're and it also helps obviously if you're winning games along the way. You keep winning games as they talk about nowadays, stacking up wins while you're also simultaneously trying to work your way toward being the best Raiders team in 2021 that they potentially. Uh, and possibly can be, if you can ride those two train tracks at the same time, win games, continue to get better, continue to change, continue to add wrinkles, uh, to, to continue you know, to kind of uh, uh, add uh, new things that you're going to put on tape, that you're going to show teams, add new ways to beat teams, to take advantage of talent on your team. And if you're, just, if you're looking at it from that perspective, the Raiders right now, after f- six games, should only be scratching the surface of what they potentially can be. And I think if they're open-minded, if they're creative, if they're flexible and adaptable, um, they'll get there and they'll give themselves a better chance, I should say, of getting there. And I liked what I saw uh, in what they did with Kenyon Drake. I think the changes along the offensive line, which is also part of what we're talking about. The Raiders could have stood pat. They could have said, well, you know, Alex Leatherwood is we drafted him to be the right tackle for the next decade. So we're not going to make that change. But they were open in real time to say, you know what? As much as there's been struggles on the interior of the offensive line, maybe the best way Alex can help us right now, forget about the future for a second, right now is to move him into the interior and move Brad Park or uh, Brandon Parker into his role at right tackle, and I think the thinking of that was Alex Leatherwood has a potential to be much better than what the Raiders currently had at right guard, and Brandon Parker at this stage of his career gives them as much and maybe a little bit more 
than Alice Leatherwood was giving them at right tackle at this stage of his career. So it kind of, you know, uh, uh, achieved two goals, or that was the that was the hope. And I think what we saw on Sunday was that that looks like it might be the right decision. But I give them credit for making that decision because a, you know, if you're Mike Mayock and you're at the time it was John Gruden, you invested a lot in drafting Alex Leatherwood. Number one, you got criticized for it because you, um, you, you know, you drafted him at what was it, the 17th pick overall. Uh, other people had other uh, tackles rated ahead of him. You knew there was going to be uh, criticism, but that was your guy, uh, and you made that case after you drafted him. This is why we liked him. This is what the thought process was. We understood there was going to be criticism, but this was the guy that we had uh, at the top of our board at right tackle at that spot in the draft, and they made an emphatic case for why they drafted Alex Leatherwood. Sometimes, and I've seen it in my career, and we've all seen this as well, you get so stubborn and so locked into your position and so become so intent on wanting, on wanting to prove yourself right that you become unwilling to make an adjustment that actually could help your team more at that present time uh, than by staying the status quo. And I've seen it before. Guys get stubborn and they get there's pride becomes uh you know becomes a, a factor uh you, you know wanting to prove people wrong ego uh it, it all plays into it and sometimes you got to check all that and say you know what maybe right now alex leatherwood is better for our, us at guard than tackle it's a bit of a concession right there and it's almost if you look at it the wrong way a little bruise on your on your ego but the raiders were strong enough and mature enough to say, okay, people might criticize it, whatever. They might still say we took the wrong guy uh, at number 17, whatever. We're trying to win football games right now. And if we believe that he helps this offensive line better at right guard than right tackle, that's what we're going to do. And, and sometimes it takes uh, more maturity and, and self-awareness and understanding to pull the trigger on a, on a move like that. The Raiders did, and I think they're going to benefit. I think they've already benefited from it. Uh, we'll see if they continue to uh, starting Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Uh, come on down. Uh, it's a great scene here. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you can, I mean, obviously you don't hear the, the, the yelling and screaming as much, but I mean, end of the day, we still got to go play football. Whether it's the crowd screaming, a coach screaming, or a player screaming. We got to go do the same thing regardless every day. That was Henry Ruggs uh, <laughs> talking about uh, the Raiders' sideline, which became uh, kind of a hot topic this week uh, in Henderson. It felt like, I guess, just listening to guys talk, it was a little calmer on the Raiders' sideline last week against the Denver Broncos. Huh. I wonder what they were referring to. Who was the missing piece last week on the Raiders' sideline? Yep, John Gruden. Look, I'm not um, 
I'm not here bashing John Gruden for, for how he was, what his demeanor was, because I felt like uh, his players fed off that, and typically they fed off it pretty well. Um, but Henry talked about it. Josh Jacobs talked about it. So it was obviously a thing, and I, it sounded like just by how they both were smiling when they said it and kind of laughing about it, it was probably something that the players talked about amongst themselves, too. Uh, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're live over at the Golden Circle Sportsbook here at Treasure Island, so come on by, uh, have some drinks and food and watch some great sports uh, on the television. Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday. Big football weekend, USC Notre Dame tomorrow. Uh, Got to always love that uh, out in South Bend. And then on Sunday, the Raiders host the Philadelphia Eagles. Man, there's some pretty interesting games this week. That's obviously a huge game. The Raiders want to get to 5-2 and two, uh, before the bye week. You got, you got uh, Jared Goff coming back to Los Angeles to play against the Rams, against Matthew Stafford, who was the Lions coach or uh, quarterback uh, all those years. So uh, two quarterbacks trading places. They're going to all have a reunion uh, over at SoFi Stadium. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, DeMond's Tennessee Titans, uh, trying to remain on track, hosting the Kansas City Chiefs uh, on Sunday. Uh, that's a big game. So uh, there's no shortage. It's just been a great year so far uh, in the NFL. No shortage of great storylines. Uh, no shortage of great excitement. Um, cliffhanger football games. Uh, the Titans win over the Green Bay, or excuse me, over the Buffalo Bills on uh, Monday night was uh, illustrated what I'm talking about. It's just been one of those great seasons. Let's hope that it keeps up. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Chris wants to talk about Alex Leatherwood. How you doing, Chris? What's going on, Vinny? All right, so here's my question, because I know yeah. the name of the show is In the Huddle. So do you think that In the Huddle, they ever say to him, if you get one more false start, we're going to do something to you. But I think them moving him to right guard might help. I also think coming in this weekend, because I got family here from Philly. I'm from Philly. I'm a diehard Raider fan, been a Raider fan since I was a kid. I'm the black sheep of the family because everybody else is an Eagles fan. Uh -oh. My sister is in town. She's a cop in Philly. So I'm like, yo, you ain't going to lock me up when they lose, right? <laughs> she was like, no. But do you think that the system that they have Jalen Hurts in is too complex, or do you think they need to dial it back a little for him? And also, I heard that they signed this other guy that's going to be a distraction to the team. His name is Ben Simmons, and he doesn't like to practice. Oh, <laughs> you had to bring in Ben Simmons, didn't you? That... I do, because I'm a diehard Sixers fan. Oh, man, that is a, uh, that's, that's a mess over there in Philadelphia. But... <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna leave it in the hands of somebody that I truly truly respect and really did enjoy getting to know uh, when I covered him uh, uh, when he was in Los Angeles. That's Doc Rivers. Uh, he'll get that thing figured out. And you know what? Um, at the end of the day, especially depending on what the Sixers are are, are going to eventually get for Ben Simmons, uh, you know maybe it's it's uh, addition by subtraction because right now it's not working. That's pretty obvious. And you know I remember watching real quick. Uh, I remember watching Ben Simmons at LSU. And there was just something missing. He had all the talent in the world. There was no question about it. He was long. He could handle. Um, he wasn't a great shooter, obviously. That's uh, carried over into the NBA. But he could score. Um, but it, it just seemed like it just seemed like you had to force him to turn it up a notch. You had to force him to turn the light on. He was just so passive, even at LSU. And I'm wondering, I was I always remember watching him thinking, 
is it a coaching thing? Or are they just telling them to, you know, uh, to, to, to stand over there on the side and watch? Because there were so many possessions. He was the best player by far on the court, and he rarely would touch the ball in games. And I just I didn't understand. But I think it's also part of his uh, personality. And, and I've talked to a lot of NBA people. I hate moody dudes, and a lot of coaches hate moody dudes, and it just feels like Ben Simmons is one of those moody kind of dudes, and those are the worst, man. Uh, as, as talented as he is, they can be the worst. Uh, getting back to Jalen Hurts, I don't think it's too complicated for him. I just think he's a young quarterback, um, and the, the Eagles are still trying to figure out what they have in Jalen Hurts. I don't know if it's going to work or not long range, uh, but you know, this is the time you find out. I don't think the Eagles – are going anywhere this year. I don't think they have necessarily any aspirations to go uh, uh, places. Sometimes those are the years that you're that you're kind of stuck with. Uh, but this could be a meaningful year for the Eagles, nevertheless, if they figure out that Jalen Hurts is their quarterback. And to find that out, you got to run him out there uh, and play him, and you got to use your stuff, um, the stuff that he's going to be. Play, you know, if he is the quarterback and the long-range quarterback of the future, you got to figure out if he's got what it takes to play in the kind of system that they want to run. Um, yeah. And so, and so, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you, you have to. And I don't think that they're throwing too much at him. And I think I, I, I think he can handle it. Um, but I don't know if he's good enough. That's that's my biggest issue. I don't know if Jalen Hurts is good enough. I had some questions about him, you know, during his college career. I loved how he handled things. He seems like a great guy, um, and right. and that that'll get you far. But I don't know. I mean, do you think? Wh- what are your thoughts on that? I, and it's funny you say that because I look back at him when he was at Alabama, and then when he went to Oklahoma, and I was like, okay, maybe this guy might have a future in the NFL. And then when he gets there. And like you said, it, I don't think that it's too complicated for him or too complex. I think he is a good player. And I think, like most rookies, he just needs to get his seat under him and, you know, see what happens next. I do think they need to scheme for him and come up with some plays that, I guess, are in his bag of tricks and that he can always go to and know that they're going to work for him to help him transition from – I think he still has a college mindset, yeah, and he needs to transition into a pro set so that he can be the quarterback that they expect him to be. You know, uh, and and thank you uh, for the call, Chris. Uh, I really appreciate it. it. It brings up a question because, you know, I, I, I've always been told by you know NFL people, coaches, scouts, um, you know, when it comes to a young quarterback. Watch him in training camp, and if he's not making three or four wow kind of plays in training camp, you might have a little bit of a problem. And, and, and I say that because of this. You know, when we saw Patrick Mahomes, <clears throat> whether it was in college or when he got to the NFL and got time with the Eagles, or excuse me, the Chiefs, I mean, what did it take us, five minutes to realize this dude is different, this dude is good, Right. Lamar Jackson, when he got his opportunity in, in Baltimore, we're like, all right, this dude can play. I don't care what some of the naysayers say. Uh, they got to go figure out their, their understanding of football if you can't see that he's a great quarterback. Justin Herbert didn't take too long for you to figure out, oh, boy, this guy is good. Right off the bat, Joe Burrow, uh, I feel, falls into that, uh, into that category. So, you know, when you talk about the Lamars and the Patricks and the Justin Herberts and, and the Joe Burrows, you saw it quickly. You see it. You see evidence, saw evidence of it almost immediately. I'm not there yet with Jalen Hurts. I feel like I've watched enough to, to, to you know, 
he's okay. Seems to be okay. Maybe, and I'm sure he's going to get better. But what's the ceiling? I don't, I, you know, Lamar, you're like, holy cow. That's like, he, I don't even think he's reached a ceiling yet. That's how good I still think he can be. And he's already damn good. Patrick Mahomes, that just goes without saying. Justin Herbert, I still think there's a little bit of a ceiling there, but he's really good, like right now. And that was evident immediately. Joe Burrow, the same thing. Jalen, ah, uh, Tua, uh, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough. Wow. To, um, to figure out yet if they're the futures of their particular teams. I'm, I'm, I'm dubious to be honest with you. And we haven't, if we haven't seen it yet. It kind of makes me wonder if we're ever going to see it on a consistent basis. That doesn't mean he can't be, you know, a good, solid quarterback, but is he the guy that you want? Is he the guy that you believe is going to lead you places? Hmm, I'm not too sure about that. Uh, and we'll get an up-close look at him on Sunday against the uh, uh, Raiders over at Allegiant Stadium. D is in Portland. How you doing, D? Hey, Vinny. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. Uh Hey, so I heard you and Lincoln talking about this, uh, but I don't know if you covered it. One of the things I was curious about, and Ted Wynn wrote about this, uh, with DJ Fluker coming on, uh, I remember in 2016 when Musgrave was running this, they did a lot of heavy sets, meaning they put in an extra lineman uh, to really pound on, on folks, especially with the run game. Uh, you know, and one of the things with Darius Carrier out, I mean, he was a really unsung hero because those three tight end sets they had, he's a great blocker, good receiver. Uh, do you see any of that coming back, especially with Fluker, maybe putting him into those heavy sets uh, once he gets going? Possibly. I mean, he needs to get healthy. Uh, the DJ Fluker that I've seen so far um, over on the football field, on the practice field, he looks to me like he's still working his way back uh, physically. Uh, he had knee surgery. It wasn't like a major knee surgery, but it was surgery uh, to clean some stuff out in late July of, of, of this year. Uh, so... Looking at him as he's walking around the field and, you know, uh, taking some reps, they, um, it just it looks like he's a little ways away from that. So I think that's something that's for right now on the back burner. Uh, but, you know, once he does get physically correct, yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely can see that. And I think that, um, you know I, know, I know Lincoln said yesterday that, that he didn't play all that well at right tackle last year for the, for the um, I think it was the Baltimore, the ball, the, uh, was it the Ravens that he was playing with? Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the Ravens. He, he graded out pretty darn well, you know, uh, at right tackle. So, to me, it's insurance if he is physically fit. Uh, and by that, I mean the knee more than anything. Um, then I think he could give the Raiders coverage at both guard positions and over at right tackle uh, because his grade last year at right tackle is better than anybody that's any grade that the Raiders are getting at right tackle uh, right now. Uh, but, you know, uh, we'll see. But... I like what the Raiders are doing because, look, if you don't get anything from uh, Fluker this year, it was still worth a shot, right? He's DJ Fluker. He's a proven veteran player that, um, you know, if he's correct, if he's right physically, if somebody goes down, you've got a veteran to be able to, to turn to and with an expectation of a, of a certain level of play. He's not the DJ Fluker, I'm sure, that he was five, six, seven years ago. But that doesn't mean he can't be an adequate player for you right now. And, and what I like about what the Raiders are doing in, you know, uh, in some of these signings that they've made and uh, whether it's to, to the practice squad with some of the veterans or uh, bringing in a guy like Desmond Trufant, um, 
this week, and I think he's going to get some time on Sunday. What I like about that is they're, they're, they're not leaving any stone unturned. None of these guys that they're bringing in right now you know, are all pro players or going to the Hall of Fame or, you know, going to produce, uh, you know, spectacular numbers. But there's a reason for that. They're, they were free agents, you know, a, a week ago, uh, two weeks ago. They didn't have jobs, and there's a reason for that. But when you're talking about depth and when you're talking about Hey, if so and so should go down, and, and in the Raiders' case, so and so went down. Trayvon Mullen went down. Damon Arnett went down. Uh, they need to figure out some some ways to strengthen the back end of that rotation now, because everybody moved up a notch, and the the last notch uh, is no longer filled or or wasn't filled. That's where Desmond Trufant comes in into play. And I actually think because of where the Raiders are uh, physically at that position. He's going to get inserted right in, and that's not a bad option to have. He might not be, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey, obviously, at this stage of his career, but if he can give you solid snaps in the role that you produce for that you ask him to play, as long as it's efficient and solid, and he's holding down the fort, that's all you're asking for at that part of your depth chart. And I think the Raiders understanding who they are and where they're going and where they potentially can be. Why not bring in guys like that that can help you like right now uh, in terms of depth? And if somebody should go down, you feel good about where you're going to to replace him. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Lincoln's not here, but hopefully he's listening. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, live at the Treasure Island Hotel, the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Friday when we get back. I got an important reminder for you guys if you're coming to Allegiant Stadium this weekend. Welcome back to In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. What's up, what's up, what's up? Hey, I just wanted to... um get a little note out here for fans that are uh, coming to the game on Sunday. Uh, anybody that's fully vaccinated uh, can complete their clear download process before arriving at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. Uh, those in need of alternate screening or vaccination uh, can visit the le- uh, a tent in Lot B on Saturday at 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. or Sunday. Uh, it opens at 9 a.m. on Sunday as well. To avoid, you know, any long lines prior to kickoff, um, the Raiders are trying to do this to expedite the process of getting fans into games. Uh, and I agree with them for obvious reasons. You don't want to be waiting on, on long lines, and you can help yourself out uh, by taking care of the process, either coming to Allegiant Stadium over at Lot B on Saturday between 9 a.m. or 5 p.m., uh, that's uh, if you need the alternate screening or vaccination, uh, or by arriving super early on Sunday, that that, that lot opens uh, back up at 9 a.m. on Sunday uh, to take care of it. Um, so uh, it's important, and you want to be in there because there's a great scene that they're, that they're uh, putting together at Allegiant Stadium. But even before the football game starts, uh, there's a lot of entertainment. There's a lot of fun that can be had, and they want fans uh, into the stadium as early as possible. Uh, also, alternate screening on-site vaccination services is offered for those unable to use the Clear Health Pass to verify their vaccination status for the following circumstances. 
A, if a fan is partially vaccinated. B, if a fan has a vaccine that isn't supported by the Clear app. Uh, and that would be any vaccine other than Pfizer, Moderna, or Johnson & Johnson & Janssen. Um, C, if a fan has a digital vaccine card, a photo of a vaccine card that is unable to be uploaded into the Clear app. D, if a fan is bringing a vaccinated or partially vaccinated 12 to 13-year-old guest that is unable to be added to the Clear Health Pass. Uh, so uh, if you are in any of those categories, an alternate screening on-site vaccination service will be offered for those uh, who can't use, for whatever reason, and I just listed a whole bunch of them, uh, the Clear Health Pass to verify their vaccination status. So uh, the best thing to do, as we've been talking about each week, when the Raiders play at home at, at uh, Allegiant Stadium. Take advantage of the uh, access for all of this on Saturdays between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Uh, it'll make your life that much easier and a whole bunch of other people's lives easier getting into uh, Allegiant Stadium on Sunday. If you can't make it on Saturday, uh, then Lot B opens back up at 9 p.m. or excuse me, 9 a.m. on Sunday, uh, day of the game. And you can take care of it that way as well. So plan ahead, please. Uh, everybody uh, wants to enjoy what's going on over at Allegiant Stadium, inside the stadium. Uh, and the best way to do that is to be there in the stadium and get there as quickly as possible. And there's ways to do that um, if you know, you're in any of those circumstances regarding the vaccination proof. Let's go back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Guarab is on the line. How you doing, Guarab? Hey, how you doing, Benny? Doing good, buddy. Yeah, hey, good, good to hear. Um, yeah, um, calling it uh, to say that I, 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 I'm calling because I feel like I got this bad vibe about this game, like I did with the Bears game. Um, there's just something that just, I, I mean, I'm, as a matter of fact, other things are probably trying to persuade me this way too, as well. I guess it's just something by watching some of these people on their talk shows and stuff, picking the Eagles, but. I just realized that a lot of times that the Raiders uh, tend to play down to their competition, and they allow like uh, teams like weaknesses to become their strength against our team. That happens quite a bit. Um, this year, I'm hoping that I'm hoping that doesn't happen in this game. I mean, I don't know why I always have to feel so nervous about every football game the Raiders play. I can't feel ever comfortable about any football games they play. Well, I mean, they're going to have a big, large fan base of Eagle fans there. I hope they that, that the refs ain't going to please them and take let them go home with a win. Uh, you know, like like that Bears game just seemed like they were completely against the, the Raiders. And I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to be down out because of like like the Bears game, like they were feeling you know emotional and all that. Just just not playing like the Raiders should play is what I'm trying to say. They should beat this team pretty convincingly. Yeah, and. Um... Uh, uh, totally understand your the, the vibe that you're getting and the worries you're getting. But I got to say this, um, every fan that I've ever talked to has anxiety before the big game. I mean, it's just, it's how it is. And, and I'll, I'll say this too, the NFL, it's, it, was, it was interesting to me, uh, Guarab, when I, when I you know, uh, started covering the NFL on a regular basis when the Rams came back uh, to Los Angeles, remember, there wasn't football in Los Angeles for 20-some odd years. So I was a reporter and a columnist in Los Angeles. I'm covering everything from the Dodgers to, to the Lakers to USC, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So the, only, the highest level of football that I covered on a consistent basis was college football, right? And so when the NFL came back and I saw it on a week-to-week-to-week -to -week -to -week basis, what I quickly understood, even with a bad team like the Rams, 
were at that first year. It's so competitive in the NFL, and the, the, the line between winning and losing is such a fine line. You don't see the massive blowouts that you see in college football. There's no Alabama against East Texas State. There's no USC sometimes against a Washington State, um, you know, uh, or, 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 or that kind of a game. Everybody is good at this level, and it's just so the anxiety that every fan has, I don't care who you're a fan of, that's part of it. Now, I have to ask you this, though, Guarb, if you're still with us. You said oh, yeah. that, yeah, you said that, you know, the Raiders have a tendency to make opponents' weaknesses a strength, but have you really seen that this year? You know, the, the Bears game was a weird thing, and it was a weird animal, and I almost want to throw that one out. Uh, but we'll we'll keep that uh, on the table for for our discussion. But this year, have you seen um, a, 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 a weakness a weakness of an opponent that the Raiders have played become a strength? Now I know it's happened in the past. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Well, yeah, yeah, it's happened quite a few times. But I'm saying even in the Chargers game, their defense was ranked 32nd. We couldn't move the ball at all on them. Everybody else did, but the Raiders couldn't. The Raiders, uh, the Raiders. I mean, early in the game, yeah, yeah but. Yeah, but I they. Mean, that, was, that was like when it was too late. I mean, they may have got some, you know, when it did, you know. No, they, no, it wasn't. It wasn't too. It wasn't too late. They were on the thirty-yard line, getting ready to tie the game up in the. I think it was the fourth quarter. What they didn't. It wasn't too late. Well, they, they just. Yeah. Well, they didn't have that many yards. I mean, how many yards did they run for? I mean, the, Ra- the, the I don't think the Raiders ran for much more than six yards at all in that game. That's that's so. a week. That's the, that's been a. That's why they changed <laughs> changed it up on the offensive line. Uh, that was a weakness of the Raiders that they weren't able to exploit even, you know, against a team that gives up running yards. I think that was the turning point for the Raiders to say, hey, look, got to do something about this offense. If we can't run on that team, that, that was more the Raiders couldn't do it than, you know, the, than, than the Chargers all of a sudden it becoming a strength for them. Uh, and there were reasons for that. But, I mean, I'm with you. I think in the past the Raiders have turned everything into a strength for the opponent, especially offensively. I just don't see that happening this year. I think the Raiders are taking care of business for the most part. Uh, they've been in every single game. That Chicago Bears game, again, was a weird one. They didn't play down to their opponent against the Denver Broncos, who, as it turns out, doesn't seem to be that really that good. They took care of business against the Broncos, and I don't even think that score, because that was a case late in the game where the, where the Broncos scored some meaningless, you know, did some meaningless things. Right. Yeah, so... Yeah, the, Bron- the Broncos, like, when then you watch that game on Thursday night, I mean, I can't, I mean... The Browns beat them with a back to backup quarterback with no their offensive line. I mean, like the Broncos, all of a sudden, whatever happened to them? I mean, my God, they they just, they don't have they, a quarterback. They, they don't have they a quarterback. They can't. Yeah, I mean, they just can't get out of their way. I get like a second string football team basically that they played the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I'm like, but. Yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I just, you know, you know how it's like. I wonder how other teams, you know, fans of other teams feel. Like, let's say the Bills are going to play like uh, just a mediocre team. Do they, do they sweat it like we do? I don't know. They probably sit back and, you know, they probably feel like, you know, they're going to have this one in the bag, and they do. I mean, they usually pretty much please their fans. Recently, uh, that's a very big key word. Recently, and even at that, they go to Tennessee and. On paper, they were the better team. I'm sure by the point spread, they were the uh, the favorites of that game, and I'm sure Buffalo Bills fans, you know, thought that they were going to win that game, but they but they didn't. And so, my answer to that is pretty much every fan feels the same way you do. Uh, it's not exclusive 
to the Raiders. It's just that the Raiders haven't been able to reward, you know, your passion. But I think this team is different. That's what that's my point was whatever happened a couple of years ago, even last year, it's kind of a moot point right now because I just feel like this team is better, especially that defense. There's no, oh, like Lincoln used to say last year, they got to score 30 points to win. They don't have to do that anymore. They can win in a bunch of different ways. Even if the offense is struggling, they can still win because that defense is really hanging in there and becoming an asset. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM on a Friday. I keep saying Lincoln. He's not here, but hopefully he's listening. We'll talk to you on the other side.